everything looks like a once in a lifetime opportunity. It is more important than ever to get crystal clear on your long-term goals and your quarterly goals. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. This is the space where we believe in redefining wealth and chasing purpose, not money. Welcome back. If you are a purpose chaser, that means you are totally down with our definition. Wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. Here, we believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which says it's about the condition of well-being. And today's episode, I think, is really going to bless you and help you really get on top of how you manage your time, what you say is valuable. And you are going to love this guest. Jordan Rayner is no stranger to the Redefining Wealth community. He's been on before. This one, though, he's going to help us prioritize. Mm-hmm. how we respond to requests, whether they be urgent or important. And he's also going to talk about the importance of taking a weekly Sabbath and so many other things. Look, I'm excited to get into this episode, but before I do, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really, really helps. So wherever you're listening to the podcast, make sure you engage. Let people know how it's been a blessing to you, what you're taking away from it. We appreciate five-star reviews, but I'm not going to force your hand at that, right? (laughs) Whatever you think and what feels right for you, just please take a second to do that. And truly, before we jump in, let's get to the affirmation of the week. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life, into your day. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to wealth. This week's affirmation is I am worthy even when I'm at rest. I no longer subscribe to any notion that being busy and burnt out is a badge of honor. I respect my temple and I value the restoration that comes from stepping back and being still in a world full of noise. With or without checking things off a to-do list, I am totally worthy of love, affection, and respect. First from myself, and then from others. I refuse to treat myself like a machine or be run by the algorithms. Each day, each week, each month, each quarter, and each year, I build in opportunities to rest before I do anything else. Declare with me today, somebody, yes, I am worthy even when I'm at rest. Jordan Rayner is a serial entrepreneur and author who has the honor of working to help Christians connect the gospel to their work. The author of Call to Create, a biblical invitation to create, innovate, and risk which became an instant national bestseller and master of one, find and focus on the work you were created to do. Jordan and his team have helped more than 3 million Christians do their most exceptional work for the glory of God and the good of others. And today, my friend is back to discuss his newest release. It'll be released in just a few days, Redeeming Your Time, Seven Biblical Principles for Being Purposeful, Present, and Wildly Productive. 
without further ado, here's my guy, Jordan Rayner. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast again, Jordan. Ah, man, repeat guest. I must not have screwed it up too much the first time. It's, It's a joy to be with you, my friend. Oh, it's so good to have you back. And I mean, just before... You know, we started recording. We were already talking about, I personally, Jordan, am in this season where I just feel like God is calling me to rest and retreat more and not build, as my life coach just told me the other day, not build my life around my work, but build my work around my life. And I am so excited to be talking to you today about this idea of just redeeming your time. Oh my gosh, redeeming your time. Tell me what led up to this being the next body of work. Yeah, this is something I've wanted to write for a long time because I have long been obsessed with managing my time well, right? Uh, I believe that good time management is just part of our response to the gospel. It's what Paul says in Ephesians 5.16, we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. And so I've read, I don't know, something like 45 books on this topic over the course of my career. And I've always had two really big problems with the books in this category. First, they tend to be centered on what I call works-based productivity, which is exhausting, right? The message is essentially, hey, listen, you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed. Follow my system. Do steps one, two, and three, and then you will find peace. Well, as, as a Christian, I believe I already have peace, right? Paul says in, in, in Romans 5, 1, we have peace with God that is secure regardless of how productive or unproductive we are, right? And so I do time management exercises, but not to get peace. I do them in response to the peace that I've already been given. And I just think that's a radically different foundation to build a book upon. So that was the first reason why I wrote the book. The second reason is, man, Patrice, I have never read a time management book that accounted for how the author of time managed his time when he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. This is crazy. Christian or not, I think it's pretty hard to argue with the fact that Jesus was the most productive person to ever walk the earth. We literally measure time pre and post his life, BCAD. And yet nobody has really dug into the gospels for what they are, biographies of the life of Christ, and pulled out what that means for us today. And that's what this book is all about. Redeeming your time are these seven principles of how Jesus stewarded his limited 24-hour days here on earth during the 33 years he walked the earth as a human being, and then maps those seven principles to 32 hyper-practical practices to help us all live like Jesus lived today in our own modern context. How dare we be so arrogant to think that we've got nothing to learn from the person, from the deity who created time itself? This is crazy, right? Somebody taught me how to read the Gospels in these ways. You know, the Gospels have a lot to say about their theology and their ethics, but they're also Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are biographies of the life of Christ. And when you read it through that lens, there's a lot you can draw out for how we can redeem our time in the model of our Redeemer. Mm. This is so good. Okay, so I want to get some high-level context around these seven biblical principles. So let's just start at the top. Number one. Real quickly, we'll click through them. Number one, start with the word. Jesus prioritized time with the Father above sleep, above food, above time with his disciples. We got to do the same thing. Number two, let your yes be yes. 
Jesus commanded it. Before we can set big goals for our work for the future, we got to manage what we've already committed to and have a system for tracking all of our commitments and ensuring our yes is yes. Principle number three, dissent from the kingdom of noise. We are living at what I would argue is the noisiest time in history. And that just stands in stark contrast to the life of Jesus. Jesus spent a phenomenal amount of time in lonely places. Sometimes the gospels translate it as solitary places. We got to do the same thing. Principle number four, prioritize your yeses. Jesus didn't say yes to everything. Neither can we. Principle five, accept your uni presence. Kind of wild to think about the fact that omnipresent God for 33 years became unipresent, confined to one place at a time in the person of Jesus Christ. And as you look at the gospels, you see him being fully focused on one important person or task at a time. We got to do the same thing. Principle six, embrace productive rest, which sounds like an oxymoron, but I promise it's not. And then finally, the seventh and final principle is eliminate all hurry, right? Embracing being busy and being productive in this life, but refusing to cross the line between busy and hurry. And there is a fine line there. We can talk about that more if you want, but 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 getting on the right side of that is critical. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Okay, let's just stay right there with that yeah. busy versus hurried, yeah. right? Because many of us really, we hold being busy as a badge of honor. You know, yeah. we can't wait to tell, oh my gosh, I had such a full day. I just went from one <laughs> thing to the next. And I'm guilty of that too. Not not yeah, holding it as too. a badge of honor, but definitely if I'm not making my yes, my yes, and really prioritizing yes. my yeses, I can find that on a day like a Tuesday when I record the podcast that I feel hurried, Jordan. I'm going from yeah. one yeah. interview to the next. I barely some yeah. days have time to use the restroom. <laughs> and I'm like, no yeah. matter what, I tell my team about how to schedule or let's build in buffers. It never fails that a couple days a week, I yeah. end up in this space where I feel hurried. And I feel yeah. like being in that space of hurry, I mean, that's even more exhausting. It's not the work that I'm doing. It's just, I love what I do. But then it's like, you can't overdo it either. It's the soul sucking nature of hurry, right? When you're that busy, there is no time to think. There is no time to process. There's no time to be creative and to listen to the voice of God, right? So I, I, I think busyness is an outward condition, right? It's a condition of the body. It's me going to a lot of meetings. Hurry is this inner condition, this condition of the soul, right? Where we just can't hear our own selves think. We can't feel who we are as a person because we are, are, are sprinting from one thing to the next. So to make this really practical. Busyness for me is having a lot of podcasts on my calendar today. Hurry is if I have them stacked back to back and I have no time to think or go to the bathroom or eat lunch in between them. Busyness is when I got a lot of errands to run. Hurry is when I get mad about choosing lane three instead of lane four at the grocery store because I can't afford the 30 seconds that I lost and making the quote unquote wrong decision, right? We should embrace a full, productive, busy life. Jesus was crazy busy. One time he was so busy, his, his family in the gospel said that they thought he was, quote, out of his mind. Jesus was out of his mind busy. But he was never busy in a way that made him angry or frantic 
or anxious. And I think that's the key. I think that's the line between busyness and hurry. And as I talk about in the book, the way we combat this, the way we stay on the right side of busyness is just by getting really good at counting the cost of our time, right? You, you know, you talk so much about financial budgeting. Lots of my friends, almost all of my friends have financial budget. I don't know a single one of my friends who has a budget for their time. That's crazy. That's crazy. All of us, by God's grace, can earn more money. None of us could earn more time. It is truly the most finite resource we have. And so in the book, it kind of culminates with this chapter on, hey, let's eliminate hurry, embrace productive busyness by building a budget for your time on a daily, on a weekly basis. Uh, and as I've been walking readers through an advanced copy of the book, that practice, it's just one of 32 in the book, has been totally life-changing for people. Oh, I love that. I can totally see applying the pillars to that time budget, right? Like yes. mapping out what is my fit pillar time. That, And I guess yes. I kind of do that, but, but I definitely want to go back to this hurry because the other thing yeah, that came please. up for me when you were speaking about that was how much you can end up resenting things that you agreed to do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yep. and now you're upset that you didn't budget your time better. And let me let me say let me, let me not say you. Let me say me. Patrice gets upset <laughs> at things that I said yes to because three months ago it sounded like a great idea, right? Oh, yeah. October twenty first, I will be available to do this thing, and then all the things that came two months ago, and then a month ago, and then a yeah. week ago, and how they all end Patrice. up on that same day. You you're preaching the choir. I am right there with you on this one, sister. So here, here's one really practical thing for you, for me, for uh, anyone listening that, that struggles with it. You know, Proverbs 20, 25 says, it is a trap to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider one's vows, right? So the way we avoid this trap, just delay your response every time you're thinking about saying yes. So for me, my rule 24 hours. If I get an email with something that looks like a really great opportunity, I'm really excited about it. I sleep on it. I force myself to wait 24 hours. And guess what? The majority of the time, the next day, yeah, it just doesn't look that exciting anymore. Right. Uh, and I say, I say no to a lot of things that I would have said yes to had I not built that 24 hour delay rule into my routine. Oh, Jordan. So good. Okay. Let me ask you this. And you can tell yeah. us what principle or what practical tip actually relates to this. So here's one of my challenges. And I don't know if you knew you were signing up for like Patrice's therapy session today. This is great. <laughs> no, I love this. <laughs> okay. So let me tell you one of my challenges. When I was, you know, at the start of your career and you are excited to get opportunities, right? Yes. And yes. so you start saying yes to everything that happens to many of us. And then you start to elevate in your career and you go, okay, well, let me say yes to only the things that are in alignment, truly. Yeah. Let me say yes to the good things, the bad or, you know, stuff I'm not really interested in, easier to say no. Then you start improving your no and you go, well, it has to be a certain impact or it has to look a certain way. Now, for me, I'm at a place, Jordan, where every offer, every opportunity, they're not just good things. They look amazing. They look great. Yes. How do you start yes. to filter through that even yeah. further? Yeah. So as you 
as you move to these stages of your career, where most opportunities, opportunities are getting better and better. Everything looks like a once in a lifetime opportunity. It is more important than ever to get crystal clear on your long-term goals and your quarterly goals. Because if we're not, if there's no burning, yes, deep within us, this insatiable thing that we're obsessed with over a long time period, right? Ideally three, five, maybe 10 years. Yeah, we're just going to get sucked into the thick of thin things, right? We are. We, it, it, we don't have any North Star to help us make those decisions, right? So as I progressed throughout my career, I found myself retreating more, silencing myself more, and thinking more, and being more deliberate about the big, hairy, audacious, long-term goals that I'm saying. Because I know if I get that right, it's going to make it a heck of a lot easier uh, to say no to lesser things and to discern what is a lesser thing compared to all the other options that I have on my plate. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Okay. I want to um, take us back because I did, I did have an opportunity to read a bit about what you feel about... I feel like there was a... a there was this mix that the gospel is teaching us about rest and ambition. And I feel like it's, yeah. it's also hard for many of us to discern when we should be in a season of rest versus yeah. when we should be in a season of like, go and make it happen. Yeah. How do you discern that? And what have you found in what you, what you've been studying? Yeah. I don't know that I have a lot of really hyper practical tips here, but I do think I have a principle and a concept that I think will be helpful uh, to your listeners. And I'll, I'll illustrate with a story. I have three young girls, seven, five, and two, almost two. And every single night before I put them to bed, I look them in the eye and I say, hey, girls, you know, daddy loves you no matter how many bad things you do, no matter how many bad things you did today. And they say, yeah, I have a confession to make. My relationship with looking good is so complicated. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like high quality clothes. I just don't like going shopping and I definitely don't always want to pay high quality prices, if you know what I'm saying. Plus, I don't always want to wear the same stuff over and over again. So I was super excited when I found out about the clothing rental membership armoire because they are making getting dressed stylish, but super easy. When I signed up, I took a five minute style quiz and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my lifestyle. I'm filming in a few weeks and I literally just got the cutest blazers delivered to my door in as little as two days. And when I'm ready for new clothes, I can just swap them out for more new-to-me styles. So whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for some black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room and you won't have to feel bad for only wearing something once. Now, what I also love is that Armoire is woman-founded and women-led. They even spotlight women-owned designers on their website. So I know I'm wearing brands that are aligned with my values. I love that I can support a business that's built by women like me. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you might want to try Armoire. I promise you will never be without the perfect outfit for any occasion ever again. And right now, Redefining Wealth listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash wealth. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash wealth to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. What's the easiest choice you can make? 
window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. So you know I also love you no matter how many good things you do? And they say yes. And I say, hey, who else loves you like that? And they say Jesus. Or my five-year-old theological stickler says, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which I laugh at literally every night. But here's the deal. We all need to hear those words spoken over our lives and spoken over our work. The God of the universe died for you when you were his enemy. He loves you regardless of how much you work, regardless of how productive you are or unproductive you are. But ironically, it is that understanding of that truth that leads us to want to be wildly productive on his behalf. Not because we need to. Not because we can earn any more of his favor, but because we want to make that father happy. Because we care about advancing his agenda in the world. That's what I mean when I say the gospel's paradoxically this double-edged sword of rest and ambition. It's the rest that leads to the greatest ambition to do what Jesus called good works for others that bring the father glory. Uh, Jordan, that's so good. Listen, When we get back from the break, I want you to talk more about embracing productive rest, what that looks like, what it really means. We'll be right back. I wish I could say to you that I had mastered this time management thing. It's amazing how you think you have something under control in one season. And then something shifts in your life and all of a sudden it feels all out of whack all over again. And so personally, I was feeling this this year for sure. And I got the nudge to hire a new coach. She's a transformational coach focused on leadership. But I don't know. I just felt like she was my person. (laughs) I really just felt like she was my person from watching how she moves with such simplicity through her own business. And one of the first assignments that I received uh, since beginning our coaching time was going through and really defining my ideal days again, what my ideal weeks look like and quarters and years. And it's so funny that I've done this exercise many times in the past, but it's amazing that if you really take a step back, you recognize that you have grown, that your values have changed, and that what once felt important at some point in your life just isn't the thing anymore. 
And it's been really cool doing this exercise. And I'm telling you, I'm in it. So I know typically we think of story time as let me take you back some years ago, several months ago, because I've mastered the lesson, but this is not that type of story time. This is a time where I am very much still in it with you. And that's what I love about redefining wealth, that this is not about me being some guru. This is about us learning together and implementing together. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that I've been writing. And I hope in the comments, you will share with me some of your thoughts if you decide to do this exercise as well. So for my ideal days, here's what I have so far. Spend one hour in my faith pillar starting at 6.30 a.m. Hit the gym at 8 a.m., one hour, and be out by 9 a.m. No work until 10 a.m., and no work after 4 p.m., no meetings. I want meals to be pre-planned and prepared for me, because you know, cooking is not my ministry. I want to be completely done with work by 5.30, period, no matter what. That's no internal in-house work, and that's nothing being assigned from partners or nothing, nothing after 5.30, Dinner with my family by 7 p.m. I want to decompress every evening, whether that's reading, playing with our arcade games, playing Scrabble, which is a big favorite, or just doing whatever I feel like doing to unwind in the evening. I also have, I want to take a full 30 to 45 minute lunch break at the kitchen counter or table with absolutely no work and no social media. And we did decide that two days a week, hopefully Tuesdays and Thursdays, my husband will also take that lunch break with me. So I'm excited about that. And that I will build in 15 to 20 minutes between each meeting, which means that on any given day, I will no longer have things stacked back to back. You know, not the hurrying, but just being productive and intentional with the time. So my team is shifting everything. So I only have three, up to three interviews or appointments in a day. And let me tell you, this is significant because for several months now, if not over a year, when I'm recording for the podcast, sometimes that could be four or five interviews in a day, not to mention when other people are interviewing me on a Tuesday. I've literally had six to seven interviews in one day. I know, I know. And don't even think about book launch time or when you're really, you know, doing something media-wise. When I do media tours, I do 25, sometimes 30 interviews back-to-back. It gets real. And it is not contributing to what I see for my life in this season. It actually just doesn't fit when I think about what my ideal day would look like now. And so one of the questions that my coach asked me that I'm going to ask you is what are you willing to lose? What are you so afraid to say no to? What are you not truly being honest about when it comes to what you want to prioritize? And I promise you, I thought I had this lesson down. But as you move through new seasons and go to new levels, you have to do the work again. It doesn't just stop. You don't master it at one age and think, oh, I've got it forever because things are going to come dressed up and disguised as wonderful opportunities, as, as the best thing that could be happening. And I had to learn in my own life that for someone who grew up not feeling 
like I was particularly talented. This is deep. Not feeling like I was particularly talented. It's very tempting to say yes to multiple things at once because they're all people acknowledging me for my talent. Whether that be brand deals or speaking uh, you know, opportunities or television shows, they're all people saying, hey, you're exactly what we want. And I have to remember that the little girl in me is, is triggered to say yes, because for so many years, I felt like no one wanted me because I had no talent. That's what I thought. And doing these exercises, not just for the day, but again, for the week, for the month, I'm doing it for the quarter, for the year. I really pray that I get back to this idea of completely building my work around my life and the things that really matter to me versus what has been happening the last several months. It's definitely felt like my life was fitting in around my work. And I'm so intentional about redefining wealth in these pillars, but I share this authentically and transparently with you so that you know happens to the best of us right? It happens to people who are fully aware, super into personal development. So just imagine if you're not even in that type of space, how your calendar, your schedule, this hurried way of life can really be impacting you and you don't even realize it. So I hope that helps. Let me know what you think in the comments and let me know some of the exercises that you're doing to really redeem your time. Okay, Jordan, so before the break, I was I was saying that I really want you to teach us more about what embracing productive rest really looks like. Yeah. So I think high achievers hear the word rest and think this is the most unproductive thing we can do. But here's the deal. In Jesus' example and in loads of scientific data, we know that there are at least these three rhythms of rest that are counterintuitively productive for our goals and for our souls. You know, number one are bi-hourly breaks, B-I hyphen hourly breaks, right? So uh, scientists will tell you that your body tends to pulse in two hour ultradian cycles throughout the day. What this means is that if you're sitting in front of your laptop and you're doing 90 minutes of deep work, recording a podcast, working on a PowerPoint deck at work, whatever it is, your body after 90 minutes of focus is screaming for a break, right? And if you take that 15 to 30 minute break, you're going to be far more productive and effective in that next 90 minute cycle of work. So that's the first rhythm of productive rest, right? The second, not surprisingly, is nightly sleep. I thought for years, I'm fine on six hours. I'm fine on seven hours. Well, sleep scientists will tell you that you are six times more likely to win an Olympic gold medal than you are to be one of the very rare people on earth who can, who can perform at optimum levels with less than eight hours of sleep. And I hate that truth. I, again, I got three young kids. I loathe this truth, but it is truth. We got to fight for great eight-hour sleep opportunities every single night. And then the third rhythm of productive rest is weekly Sabbath, right? It shouldn't surprise us that this is productive. God himself observed the Sabbath. Genesis 1 and 2, we see him working for six days, 
resting for one. Jesus, the most productive person who ever lived, Sabbathed on a regular basis. We've got to learn how to do the same thing. And, and you know, I, I want to recognize some empathy with your audience here. For years, I viewed Sabbath as this legalistic, life-sucking chore. This day filled with things that I couldn't do rather than a day filled with good things I could do. And once I made that mental shift of what Jesus said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath, that changed my life. Now I view Sabbath for what I think Jesus viewed it as, this gift, this day filled with things we get to do in order to enjoy the good things that the Lord has given us throughout the week. That's the Sabbath is for my family. I'll tell you what, Patrice, I am more rested I am more productive than any other season of my life since I have started observing and enjoying the good gift of Sabbath. Oh, I love that. I love that. I actually take Wednesdays off. Uh, the, the Mondays and Tuesdays are so intense that Wednesdays, I shut it down. I love that. And that has helped so much. I'm so much better on the work I need to do Thursdays and Fridays because I intentionally take that rest on Wednesdays. But going back to sleep, Jordan, let me tell you what I learned recently about myself. Um, I took a month off in June just to be with my daughter, just to enjoy my family. And I was in a routine of getting the day started around 530. I just would wake up at 530. No alarm Mm -hmm. clock. I would start with my, you know, my morning prayers, uh, you know, affirmations, journaling, Bible reading, all that stuff. Do my faith pillar and then go to the gym. And by like 8 a.m., I had done probably a lot more (laughs) than a lot of folks, right? I took this month off and just allowed myself to just sleep as long as I needed to sleep. Even if I woke up at 5.30, I would just kind of let my eyes close again and I would wake up more at like seven. Well, when school started, I was back in the rhythm. I was like just waking up at seven and I was upset with myself. Like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to be up at five o'clock, right? Forgetting that I actually create my own schedule, that yeah. there's no there's no one looking for me <laughs> at five thirty in the morning, and so I recently learned to not be so rigid and and ritualistic with everything, but also that it's okay to allow these routines to change, especially if your body is saying I need the rest. You know, I'm a woman of a certain age now, Jordan. I'm over forty now, and my body is like, no, we wake up at six forty five. It's okay. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious to know during that month or so, or, or really since you've started sleeping in more, have you in getting more sleep? Have you found yourself to be more creative? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it yeah. was definitely a part of even the switch for the podcast. You know, there was a lot of yeah. things that came to me during that time, and so I was able to come back refreshed. And really, we implemented a lot of new things. The way that we run the programs. You know, it was like all of a sudden I could see the holes. Yeah. So, all right. So let me just encourage you to keep going on getting sleep because you may not have noticed the connecting of these dots. But if you talk to a sleep scientist, they'll tell you that very likely all those creative connections happening are happening because you're getting good sleep. I tell a bunch of stories in this chapter of the book on this topic. My favorite one, Keith Richards, one of the songwriters for the Rolling Stones, right? would sleep with a guitar in a tape recorder next to his bed. And just in case, you know, he woke up in the middle of the night, wanted to write something down, whatever. And so one night he goes to sleep, he wakes up the next morning and his tape recorder had recorded all the way to the end. 
He's like, that's weird. I don't remember recording anything. And so he rewinds it and he plays it. And he, in his sleep, unconsciously had written the first verse in the chorus of Satisfaction, the Rolling Stones, arguably most famous song of all time. And he did it all while he was sleeping, right? An entertaining story, but there's loads of scientific data that shows that in our sleep, we are making creative connections. We are working out problems at work in our life, in our subconscious. It's a, it's a gift that God has given us to work through these things. One of the many reasons why we got to fight for really, really good sleep every single night. Oh my gosh, that's an incredible story. And Jordan, I have to tell you, yeah. many times when I speak on stages, being on the stage is not the first time I've seen myself on the stage. Most of the time, I see it in my sleep. I, yes. I, I rehearse the talk. Like I see myself delivering the talk, especially when there's different examples that I wouldn't ordinarily come up with. There's different nuggets. It's not the, the same talk. I usually see it first in my dreams, in my sleep. I don't know, but it's it's amazing. I, I really I get with that. So here's something else that you talk about in the book. One of the practices are, is taking control of when you check messages. Yeah. I believe in this so much. I think a lot of us may wake up. I don't know if you ever had this experience. You wake up and you just start the day with like checking email. And then you get off on that tangent of looking at all the urgent things requiring your attention as opposed to being focused on the important things that you wanted to do that day. What, so yeah. how do you go about taking control of when you check messages? Yeah, so I'll say this. That used to be me. Uh, it has been me for years. And I would argue out of the 32 practices in the book, man, this one is a total game changer for the people who have been going through it. Everyone wants to do this. We just don't know how. Right. Because listen, we want the VIPs in our lives to be able to get a hold of us whenever they want. We're afraid we're going to miss up the urgent, whatever. So in the book, I walk readers through three steps to taking control over when you check your messages. I'm going to give them all to you real quickly. Step number one, proactively choose when you're going to check your messages every day. Very few people do this. Right. We open messages whenever they're sent to us, whenever we have a notification on our phone with a text message or an email popping up in the right hand corner of our desktop. This is crazy. It's like it, let me see if this analogy works. Imagine if the mailman, instead of dropping mail into your mailbox once a day, started delivering mail 150 times a day. But he didn't stay at the curb. Right. He came up to your door. He rang the doorbell. You got up from whatever you were doing, opened up the door, maybe opened the envelope, at least stole a glance at who the envelope was from. That would be, we would all agree that's insane, right? But that is precisely what we do with email and text messages, which is absolutely crazy. So step one, stop doing that. Choose when you're going to check your messages every day. I don't know, make it up 10 a.m., 1 p.m., and 4 p.m., whatever it is. Once you've done that, step two Build a list of VIPs that you want to have access to at all times, right? So for me, that's my wife, my kid's school, my assistant, right? Make that list of VIPs and then put them on the favorites list on your phone, right? That way, when you turn your phone on Do Not Disturb, calls from those people and those people alone will come through. So that's step number two. Step three, once you've chosen the times for checking messages, build your list of VIPs. Go to your VIPs and proactively set expectations 
for when and how they can get a hold of you, right? Very simple message, something along the lines of, hey, listen, I'm trying to be more focused at working at home. From now on, I'm only checking email and text messages at 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., whatever you want, right? Uh, But you're a VIP in my life. So if you need me outside those times, please call me on my cell. Here's the number. And if I'm available, I'll answer every single time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, Patrice, I have seen dozens of advanced readers go through this practice. And all of them say, number one, they never missed anything urgent. Right. Never. Not once. And it has been totally life changing their ability to go deep at work and at home as they're trying to cultivate deep relationships with their families. Oh, I love this. I love this. I stopped getting notifications probably seven, eight years ago. Best thing I could have done in terms of getting things done throughout the day. No notifications. It's so and my phone's always on silent. So to your point, the only people who can break through are are folks on the favorite list and they call twice. They already know. They got to call twice to break through that. But what is funny is I could just imagine, I'm imagining the person listening going, okay, well, these 19 people are VIPs, right? Like they still have a list. We We still have a challenge with prioritizing. Totally. I think anything. Totally. Because... You can't have 19 things that are a priority. You can't have yeah. 15 VIPs or it kind of starts to defeat yeah. the purpose. Well, I'll say this. So I completely agree. That said, even if you do have 19 VIPs and you're communicating to them, hey, only call me if it's urgent, it's very rare they're going to call you. It's very rare because people respect that. They don't want to be interrupted. Right. When is they're doing their work and they're living their lives. I think a lot of times we um, over inflate our own importance. Right. We think that, oh, man, these 19 people, they just need me all the time. Right. I got man, I got to respond to their text messages right away. Let me tell you what happened when I stopped checking text messages every three minutes. Nothing like literally absolutely nothing happened. Right. My friends didn't care. I'm not that important and neither are you. Right. The world will go on without our constant wading into the kingdom of noise and notifications. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) I think the same thing comes even when you think about back to saying yes to a lot of things. I know in our community, we have a lot of people who are like, but if I don't serve, Yes. All of these people, who's going to do it? And I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure out of seven to eight billion people on earth, God has like designated <laughs> someone else to serve in that capacity. Yeah. What do you think creates that idea that if not you, then it's not going to get done? Yeah, I, I think it's a failure to understand this fine line between the fact that our work does matter deeply to God. Right. That is that is crystal clear all throughout scripture. But at the same time. God doesn't need any one specific person to do any specific work in the world, right? So yes, your work matters, but you are just one of billions of actors in this grand drama that he is unfolding, right? So, you know, look at Moses. God said he's going to lead his people to the promised land. 
He didn't need Moses specifically to do it. So he chose Joshua. He didn't need David to build the temple. He chose Solomon, right? If I die tomorrow and there are still things on my to-do list that are on God's to-do list, he's going to complete them with or without me, right? And that enables me to rest it also enables me to say no, right? Because I know that, hey, listen, I'm going to say no, but if God really wants that person to have that help or whatever it is, he's going to find a way to do it. Oh, that is freeing. Right? That, that is freeing. Oh, yeah. That idea that, look, if I die tomorrow, life goes on. Life goes on. Life goes life on. Life goes on. And, and things you and I aren't that special. <laughs> I think sometimes we, we definitely do. We think we are so much more special <laughs> than we are. Cool. But that definitely, for me continues to make the case for rest. Because I think yeah. about, you know, we're both entrepreneurial, but I even think about, you know, my mom who worked in the hotel industry for 30 plus years. And I would tell her mom, if something happened to you, and she worked hard, right? Really hard, worked 45 minutes away from our home, you know, three hours a day, just in traffic and all that stuff in LA. I'm like, mom, if something happens to you, they will fill the position within a few days, they will fill the position. Yeah. Somebody else will come in and be director of housekeeping like yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people find that demoralizing, but you're right, Patrice, it's freeing. Cause it also Absolutely. is like, you know what? Let me take my vacation. Yeah. You know, let That's me, exactly. let me take a few days off. Let me do the things that I really want to do. And I think it's so interesting. I feel like the pandemic has opened up so much for us to like really reassess what's important. But I found with myself, even Jordan, at the start of the pandemic, when it was, we were like, oh, I don't know how long I'm going to be home. So it was fun to have game night every night. You know, we were playing Uno and Scrabble every day, you know, <laughs> like going on walks with my husband. And then we got into a pattern where we found a quote unquote new normal. So now it's like, well, now we're just living in this. What's the balance between being uncertain and like, oh, the kids are home and you got to do all these things. And now I still need to be productive. And for myself, yeah. I, for several months, it felt like not a vacation by any means, because, you know, we had kids at home. You know, you got a kid at sure, home right. all day. <laughs> not that, but it was definitely different where it didn't feel like normal. So mm -hmm. you allowed yourself to, to do things out of the norm. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when you found that normal, it's like we found a new way to get busy, to get hurried, yeah. to totally. get frazzled. Totally. And it's a constant, it's a constant struggle. And, it, you know, one thing I say in the book is, like, listen, those 45 time management books I've read, the one thing all of them said, all of them promised was that solving your time management problems is going to be easy. Yeah, that's, that's just a bull faced lie. This is a bullface lie, right? Like, you know, I know because they keep, we keep publishing books on this topic and because we still live under the curse. Sin is messing up our attempts to steward this vapor of a life well. So yeah, listen, I think this book is going to help you solve a lot of problems. But if you're looking to me or anybody else to solve all your problems, except for God himself, yeah, I'm going to disappoint you. Uh, and other people are going to disappoint you. You got to find the solutions uh, in something secure. And I would argue the only thing that's secure is God himself. Mm, I love it. Well, I do believe, Jordan, that one thing can change everything. And so I'm excited to really dive deeper into these 32 uh, practical yeah. tips and, and, and really get this down because I feel like one or two things can be, can create a big shift. It's not that you have to do everything, right? You don't want to overwhelm just, yourself yeah, trying totally. to implement every single thing, but there's always no, going to no. be like a couple things that really stand out as like, ah, this is mine. 
We just surveyed uh, the hundred or so people I've been walking through an advanced copy of the book with. 97% said that in the book of the 32 practices, they found at least two that were, quote, game-changing habits to help them redeem their time. Like, you don't need 32, right? It, you know, if you find 30 of them useless, great. And one or two can be a total game-changer uh, making it worth way more than the price of admission. And I, I included that price of admission, your time, right? I don't think about books as $20 products. I think they're $2,000 products because I'm asking you to invest five to 10 hours of your life uh, to read it and do the work. And so we have tried to just jam pack this thing with value and practical tips to help you redeem your time in a way that makes you busy without being hurried. You also, speaking of value, you have something yeah. for folks that pre-order the book and they have yeah. from the time this releases the book comes out on october 23rd so you got like two days to get on it yeah. what is this uh, opportunity for pre-ordering the book all right so here's the deal i i think most not all most author pre-order campaigns are super lame uh i've done it before right it's like i'll pre-order the book and get a free chapter it's like who cares uh so here's what we're doing uh the book redeeming your time is about walking like jesus walked so we're giving away a trip for two people to go to the Holy Land and walk where Jesus walked. I, I'm, I'm paying for everything. Eight days, guided tour throughout the Holy Land. And listen, I know I know a lot of people, myself included, are not traveling internationally right now. So you get three years if you win to book your trip. If you still don't want that, I'll write you a check for $5,000, right? You get to pick. Really simple. Hopefully this conversation's made you want the book. So go pre-order the book on Amazon, wherever you buy your books. And then go to jordanrainer.com, just the homepage of my website, J-O-R-D-A-N-R-A-Y-N-O-R.com. Fill out the form and you'll be entered to win. Oh my gosh. This has to be <laughs> literally the most epic pre-order gift ever. Purpose That's what we're going for. Get on Amazon or wherever you order books right now. Do not delay. Don't put it off until, oh, later. Take out your phone, whatever. Do this right now. I would love to see a purpose chaser. Experience this incredible trip. And the fact that you're gracious enough to say, hey, and you get three years to redeem it. I love that. Jordan, before I let you go, I have to ask you the Redefining Wealth rapid wisdom questions. You've done this before, so it'll be interesting to see um, your responses. The first question is, how do you define success? I define success as stewarding my life as well as I possibly can with the talents and time the, the father has given me, right? It, it, you know, I, d- I don't define it as any level of attainment of excellence or being better than anybody else or being a number one best-selling author, just taking the things that God has given me and doing the very best I can with them. I think the parable of the talents is probably the best picture possible of what success looks like. I love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Man, that's a good question. I'd be very curious how I answered this before. How do I define wealth in three words or less? Eternal riches. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself? I loved Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. It's an old book. Uh, it's probably 30 years old now, but I love it. The Treasure Principles? Yeah. Got it. All right. Fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Jordan Rayner. And the truth about wealth is what scripture says about wealth, uh, that ultimately the wealth we have in this life is going away. Uh, so we are to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. 
Uh, that That's what ultimately is going to matter in the long run and the longest run. Love it. Jordan, thank you for coming back. Again, such an honor to share the space with you at any time and rooting for you. I can't wait. I'm really, I'm really, I have everything crossed and I'll be praying that a purpose chaser gets this trip. <laughs> to the- hey, they can take you as their guest, Patrice. <laughs> Get this for us. We need it. Get this for us. I need. Can I? Can I submit my name? I know I hadn't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Absolutely, you can. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks, Patrice. Today's Ask Patrice Anything comes from Denise in Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Patrice. This is Denise. My question is, what advice would you have for someone who's looking to transition into full-time entrepreneurship um, as far as like planning and recommendations on what to do before you make that step? Denise, thank you so much for your question. Congratulations to you on thinking about going into entrepreneurship full-time. I have to say, though, that entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. I know that we hear, you know, everyone talking about entrepreneurship and social media, and it is so easy to assume that it's easy. But but I think because you're asking the question about how to prepare, you know it's not going to be easy. So good for you. I have to write down some thoughts. So let me pull them up here. The very first thing I would say, Denise, is to enroll your family in the vision. And that is the complete vision. Sometimes we only think about, well, this is my gift or this is my calling. And we think about it in terms of this is what I want to do. But we're not always clear about how that's going to impact everyone. So instead of just telling your family what it is you want to do, and I mean the people who may live in your home with you, those who will be impacted by maybe some late nights or some early mornings or you really getting familiar with what it's going to take to run your your business full time, everyone's going to have to sacrifice. That just is what it is. And I think that it's important for the people you love to know in advance that we're on a journey and it's going to take some figuring out. It's going to take some getting used to, but I really need everyone to get on board, right? So first of all, enroll your family in the vision. Second of all, even when you're a full-time entrepreneur, you need to still treat this like a business. I see people leave their corporate jobs, become entrepreneurs, and then kind of treat their business like a hobby, Mm, No, you don't want to do that because if you treat it like a hobby, you're going to be compensated as if you are operating a hobby and not a business. So make sure you're still getting dressed to start the day. Make sure you still have work hours. Make sure you still have a space around you that is your money-making space that is set up to support you and your creativity um, and what you need to actually get the job done. Just make sure that you take it very seriously and you set your day up, you set your environment up to support you. Number three, Assess your finances. Now, of course, people are like, why would she not say that first? Because you're used to hearing that first. But assess your finances. If you can help it, definitely leave with some savings in place. I love the idea of at least six months of your salary saved. And I know that that can seem really heavy and daunting. Let me tell you the honest truth. I did not have that. 
when I left my nonprofit job to get started. I didn't. But ideally, I would have liked to. So if you have the opportunity to get some money in place, you really want to do that. Because here's the thing. Sometimes people think about entrepreneurship as, I just want to replace my salary. Well, usually when you're coming from a corporate job, you have way more benefits than just the salary. You know, your health care is included and maybe there's other benefits that go along with that. When you're starting a business, even if you match, even if your revenue matches your previous salary, you have expenses associated with getting to that revenue. So it's it's not just, well, I just need to make 60000 It may cost you 20000 to make that 60000 depending on what you're doing, right? So you want to keep that in mind because the revenue goal that you have to hit as an entrepreneur is going to be higher than whatever your salary was just to make sure that you can cover all your expenses. And it's something that we don't always talk about or think about. So Make sure you are checking in with savings and you have a realistic idea of what the number is you want to hit in your business. And last thing, implement the pillars for some sense of harmony. Denise, when you are moving into full-time entrepreneurship, it is so easy um, for the work pillar to consume your life. And I just don't want you to forget about your fit pillar, your faith pillar, your people pillar, your space pillar, like all of these other pillars and you clearing the clutter in all of these other pillars are going to help you create the space to be your best in your business. So I hope that helps. Um, really excited for you. Best wishes for an amazing entrepreneurial journey. That's it for this week on the Redefining Wealth podcast. I really hope that you had some phenomenal takeaways from this week's episode. Until next week, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever feeling like you have to chase money. Talk to you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.